Here's the snap. Looking. Flips the ball. Diving for the pylon. And he's got it. Razzle dazzle. Touchdown, Houston. And the Texans go in front. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out. The Texans say they have it. And they do. Now, it's Texans All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm saying that because I completely thought tonight was Thursday. Thursday is different because we have the general. Mark drives the show. And I came up to my Zoom room expecting that to be the case and went, wait, what day is it? Oh, it's Wednesday. Oh, that means I'm driving the show tonight, which is fun. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, alongside the Vox, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, we found the culprit to my uh, issues from last night, and he lives within my house. Oh, what is it? Oh, who yeah. is it? it? Let me guess. Yes. Your son. Yeah. Yeah, oh, my boy. son is my IT guy, and my son handles everything IT-wise in this entire house, and he happened to unplug my Ethernet uh, because he thought it was plugged into something else, forgot that I was on Ethernet up in the Zoom room, and that is why I was unable to join oh. you for the first four or five minutes last night. Uh, yeah. So so it was it was unplugged somewhere else in the house, mm-hmm. not from the unit itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I hate when that happens. Because I, I tried all that. I even went down at some point and unplugged the Ethernet and plugged it back in. Well, I plugged it back into something that wasn't plugged in. If that makes sense. So either way, I don't know. We got a lot to do tonight because it is a Wednesday. Mark, are you ready for what you remember Wednesday? I think you will absolutely love this one. I think this is just my my gut here. My gut tells me that you will love this one because there is one team that you sports hate wise more than any other. What wow. is it? Well, there are a lot of teams I sports hate. Nope. One. The Colts is the one. Bingo. More than any other. That is the one. Other the ones theme? include yes. UConn. <laughs> UConn. Uh, oh, I hate UConn so much. But, you know, the one thing I like about UConn is Sean Pendergast's dad was the AD yeah. there. Yeah. And so I, I really like him. So yeah. it kind of makes me – I respect UConn, Johnny, but I hate UConn because – I, I don't want to get into the story. I went to Boston I University. I worked at yeah. UMass. I worked at Miami. UConn was always the enemy wherever I went, and yes. I hate them like poison. Thank you. Okay, so UConn, sports hate. Colts, for sure. Patriots, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What else? Is it those three and that's it? That Those are the big ones? I, I have a healthy hate for the Titans. You know, yeah, that, yeah if they're true. good, Johnny. I mean, look, I've yeah. I've never hated the Jags, never hated them. I've yeah. hated some of my time there uh, <laughs> at the end of a Sunday afternoon, Ugh. like Hail Mary in 2010. Yeah. It's just uh, going to say, yeah, that was a really bad one. A uh, 2008 overtime loss against David Garrard. Uh, that was ugly, too. Shopped through for like 300 that day, trying to get off the schneid of uh, the Hurricane Ike season. Start went to 0-3. Rosencopter was the following week. Hated that yep. one. But, you know, I've had a lot of good times in Jacksonville, too. Uh, and fortunately, some of the other cities. But, yeah, the Titans, I have a pretty healthy hatred for them. Yeah, I think my mine is it starts with Harvard. Mm-hmm. There's absolute, without question, <laughs> total and complete sports hate for Harvard. Um, then I w- the Patriots are up there. 
the tight. I'll tell you this. I probably hate the Titans more than I hate the Colts. And what? Yeah, I probably hate the Titans more than the Colts. Now, some of that is the fact that the Titans are the old Oilers, and oh, Oilers yeah. were my team growing up, so that's that's part of it. But I don't. Can I say? Can I? I, I could say this. Their fans are obnoxious. Really, the Titans more fans. than the Colts. More than oh, the Colts. they're the worst. They're the worst, especially after having the run that they did in the playoffs this uh, this past season, 2019, yeah. which seems so long ago and yet really was just last season. They're oh, I mean, they're convinced the Titans are going. Oh, we're in run it back mode. We're in run it back mode. We're we're bringing back Henry. He's gonna he's gonna sign a deal. We're gonna run it back. We're gonna. You were nine and seven last year, bro. But there have been so many Titans fans that they're they're incredibly obnoxious. And I'll give you I'll give you the other one. This is more about the fans. And unfortunately, they've been so good that you can't really tell them anything. Is Ohio State fan? Ohio State fans the worst. The absolute and complete and total worst. And a lot of that has to do with covering college football. Because you can never mention college football. You can't say anything good about Alabama. You can't say anything good about, oh God, about Michigan. Forget that. Forget that. You say anything with any sort of ancillary reference to Ohio State, and Ohio State fan is on sports hate, Ohio State fans. That is, that's my sports hate. But I, the Titans, for me, over the Colts. But I'm glad you brought up the Colts, or I brought up the Colts, because that's going to be our theme to what you remember Wednesday. Because those games against the Colts, I think you're at your best every Sunday, but I always feel like when it's a game against the Colts, you're, you, you take it up a notch. Oh, you me? always take it up a notch, yes. Yeah, those are For special games, games against the Colts. Yeah, those, those are, are special. special. Those are because special. Of the hatred, so. Because of the hatred. I, I yes. just I, I feel it, and it, it's real. And, look, I like Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Nothing oh, against yeah. him. Oh, yeah. I like Matt, too, yeah. But uh, it's, it's just the, the misery. Uh, you know, it was, it was just so cemented. The foundation is strong with all those years of Manning. But we'll get into it in the next segment. Yeah, we'll do that. So what you remember Wednesday in the next segment, we'll go around the league. And, actually, we're going to start going around the league with a number of things that have happened in the last uh, well, I guess last few hours. Yeah. Because the franchise tag deadline was today. Now, the Texans did not have a franchised player. Last year, we watched this deadline like a hawk because Jadeveon Clowney was the franchise player. We know what happened to him. He eventually gets traded to the Seattle Seahawks, and he right now is a man without a team. But that's a different story for a different week. But the franchise tag uh, movement, situation, contracts, etc. Got off to a start last night, uh, yesterday, at some point. And Mark, I don't know that we had a chance to talk about this, but it felt like everybody signing or in the mix for a signing today for a franchise tag, there was some connection to the Texans. Mainly, we play these guys uh, at some point. Yesterday, and I'm... I. I so badly want to see the Chiefs' books because I'm not sure how the Chiefs pulled it off, but the Chiefs signed Chris Jones, the player they franchised, to a four-year, $85 million deal. Mark, they gave a guy $500 million over 10 years. 
Then they gave a guy $85 million over four. They're already paying Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. They got deals uh, years ago. They're pairing Eric Fisher, Mitchell, Mitchell Schwartz. They paid Tyron Matthew 42 over three, I think it was. Mark, I don't know what salary cap the Chiefs have, but I don't know how they've fit Chris Jones back underneath that. I don't know how they've done it. This irritated me more than anything that has happened in the last 48 hours from a football perspective. The fact that Chris Jones just signed back with the Kansas City Chiefs and now he's there for the next four years. It's fascinating, but the the fact that you don't have to pay Mahomes a lot right away, uh, the Jones deal does fit in because you look at um, – you look at the way it's spread out. Uh, look, they're still paying Fla- Frank Clark a lot of money, right? They just picked yeah, him up last Frank year. Yeah, Frank Clark. I forgot about uh, Sammy Watkins is is he making seventeen million? Is that the that's the hit? That's the hit. Oh. Uh, so Tyreek Hill, seventeen million hit. Tyron Matthew, sixteen million hit. They're paying a lot of guys a lot of money, but you know why not if you're them? Because yeah. you're just you're running here. You're going for the run. You're you're going for it again. Let's let's. You know, I mean, if I were them, I'd want to do it too. You know, you got a good squad. Let's try to run it back. But we'll see how the run it back thing goes. Because hey, we all know that a title run. You know, of, of, over the hall of a regular season, which is not that many games, but over the hall of a regular season. You know, you could put together 9, 10 wins, 11, 12 maybe, and, you know, it's a play here, play there. But a play here, a play there in January knocks you out of the postseason, yes. right? Yeah. So we all know what a fine line it is. Uh, when you look at the Titans run, the Chiefs run, uh, all of it, the Texans obviously had that bizarre one for the ages, weird game against the Chiefs. But look at the Buffalo game, fine line, you know, mm-hmm. play here, play there. You're, you're sitting yeah. home after that week. So – uh, it's you know easier said than done to get back, but if you have a good squad, why not make another run at it and hope your quarterback stays healthy for the whole year this time, and especially in January. Well, you know it helps. This is fascinating. I, I, I we honestly, Mark could do. I think you and I could do a, an hour show just on Patrick Mahomes' contract in and of itself. Mm-hmm. His the the cap. You know what his cap hit is for the twenty twenty season. When I wonder, okay. How are they able – you know what his cap hit is? Cap hit. Not how much money he's going to be putting in his wallet. His cap hit for 2020 is $5.3 million. On the Chiefs roster, players with a larger cap hit, Damian Wilson, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Alex Okafor, Anthony Hitchens, these are all players that have higher cap hits. Of course, you mentioned the others, Frank Clark, Tyree Kill, Tyron Matthew, mm-hmm. etc. $5.3 million because of the way that they structured that deal so that they absolutely could take a run next year. Now, his cap hit goes up uh, in 2021. It goes up significantly, but sure. still, it's at a manageable, <laughs> manageable $24.8 million. It doesn't really become a, ma- a, a, a really hindrance you would think until 2023 and we think by 2023 this cap is going to be who knows what by the time we get to 2023 it could take a significant dip over the next few years because of what's happening with covid but it could go it could go back up maybe the nfl starts you know getting gambling money maybe that starts happening and that takes the cap back up to a significant number but it really doesn't start 2023 it's a 42.4 million dollar cap hit 
2027, it's a $60 million cap hit. That's far enough down the road. Nobody's going to care about it um, at this point, but a $60 million cap hit. My Ooh. gosh. Yeah. That's going to well, sting. You know, kicking the can down the road, so to speak. I mean, that's what happens in, yeah. in many of these situations. But um, look, that balloon payment's going to be tough to pay. I'll tell you that. Whenever we, t- I always say the two things that at least I don't like as a sports fan, and I, I know some sports fans do like this stuff, but two things I don't like: contract negotiations and injuries. Right? Yeah. Because to me, it's about what's on the field, who's on the field when you're taking them on, and. No matter how or what the Chiefs did, and I know Mahomes got a lot of um, criticism for the deal, um, that it could have been better for him, especially early on. But he's helping his team, and guess what? You've got to deal with the Kansas City Chiefs fully loaded again this year. This an experienced team that just went on a title run, and who knows how that affects them, especially in the environment that will ultimately play in. Is it going to be a distraction? Is it not? How will they handle it? Uh, and then our friends, the Titans, who matched up with them in yeah. the AFC Championship game, they made news today as well. They did. And, Mark, I will be honest, I did not think this was happening. I didn't think it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. The Tennessee Titans have agreed to terms with running back Derrick Henry on a four-year deal worth $50 million right before Wednesday's deadline. He was the franchise player for the Titans. He ran for 1,500 yards last year. We know all about that. He had 211 yards against the Texans in Week 17 against the JV defense, and that gave him the rushing title. He then was phenomenal in the playoffs. He is what that offense is built around. Mark, what was your gut reaction when you saw that Henry had signed? Uh, I thought good for him because when I look at the deal, and, Johnny, I haven't done much comparison yet to, say, Ezekiel Elliott's deal, right? Which yeah. was ninety million for six years, twenty-eight million guarantee, seven and a half million signing bonus. All right. Then you look at Derrick Henry, guaranteed twenty-five million, and look, that's you, that's a lot of money, right? He's going to get twenty-five million if he takes the tag. Uh, it would have been what ten point two. And yeah, then you have the unknown. You could rip up a knee, never play again. It's not going to happen this time. He's going to get $25 million and $12 million signing bonus. Look, I like it for him, and I think it's yeah. pretty good for the Titans too. Uh, we all know running backs don't have that long a life by and large in this league. Everyone's going to point to Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. You're talking about two of the all-time greats right there. I mean, in longevity, no question, and we could debate the other stuff. For As far as Henry goes, the Titans are in pretty good shape here. I think the bigger deal for them, not to zoom out too much, is all right, you have Henry. You, you know you have this incredible running back. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy. Everybody does. But you're so tied to Ryan Tannehill. And I yep. think that's, that's a bigger deal. Between these two guys and anything else you do, that's it. And they feel good about it, so good for them. But I'm hoping, as a Texan, it does not work in Nashville. Yeah, you know, Mark, it's interesting to look at the contracts. I'm looking at the Titans. You know, looking at the Chiefs and then looking at the Titans, the Titans really aren't paying anybody. I mean, they're paying Tannehill, but it's not top-of-the-market quarterback money. They're paying Luan at left tackle. Uh, Malcolm Butler's getting $13.3 million, and that, that was a mistake for them. Saffold got 12.3 because he signed a free agency, and, and Bayard's getting what he's paid, uh, what he's worth at $10.9 million. Other than that, those are the cap hits. They're not paying a bunch of guys, so it does make sense that they could get Henry in on this four-year deal worth $50 million. It's just, do you 
do you learn from history or are you doomed to repeat it? How many how many running backs have we seen on second contracts, especially one like Henry that is a straight-up running back? Not, not like McCaffrey, who is going to catch it and run it. I'm talking straight-up running back and a guy that takes a pounding every time he plays the game, giving him four more years. I just have not seen teams have success with that second contract for a running back. And I just I imagine that the Titans were I didn't think they were gonna do it. I didn't. Good for them. I, I will I will admit this, even though I do not care for the Titans. Mark, I I do like Derrick Henry. I like the way he goes about his business. He is a humble guy. He's not a he's not a braggadocio guy, but he's been a really good leader in their locker room. I hate having to face him, but if there's if we've got to lose to somebody in some sense, I don't mind that guy getting the credit because I think he is worth every dime. Um, he gives back to the city of Jacksonville, which he he lives in a small town called Uly, just outside Jacksonville. So he gives back mm-hmm. to the town. So to me, Derrick Henry is he. He deserves it, and, I, and I'm glad for him. I don't like it for, for us having to face that guy, but like we said last night as we talked about this, there are just players that you have success against. There are some players that you can't stop no matter what. Every time Darren Sproles, as you said last night, steps on the field against us, he has success no matter what. But Derrick Henry, we've had a lot of success against minus week 17 when we had a lot of guys sitting out that game. Uh, sitting out the majority of that game where he piled up 211 yards um, in a win the Titans needed to have to get into the playoffs. So I'm happy for him. Not so much for Titans fans. And, of course, Titans fans being obnoxious today, now they're in complete and total, complete and total run-it-back mode. Well, we've seen, we've, seen in NFL, we've seen it in years in the NFL when you get to that point of run-it-back mode. Sometimes uh, you don't get there. No, sometimes you don't, and everybody's calling them the darlings of the AFC South or whatever. They're getting a lot of love, a lot of picks to finish first. Look, with the running back position, we mentioned Elliott, right? Last year wasn't a bad year for him. Average yards per carry, four and a half. That's healthy, right? But that's the lowest total he's had in a full season for the Cowboys. Year two, he didn't play the full season, 4.1. Uh, lowest yards per game. Again, not a disaster, 1,357 yards. But the thing is, when you pay a guy so much, you have to keep going to him, you feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as opposed to some other teams where if you're not paying running backs a ton of money, you might be like, okay, let's get the next guy in here. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it makes you stay with them longer. Um, and, again, do they last? Are they healthy? I mean, Elliot last right. year played all 16 games. Good for him. But it didn't result in a playoff appearance for the Cowboys. I'm not going to pin that on the running back performance. Don't right, get me right. wrong. But, you know, you're making a big investment. You want you want full return cumulatively as a team, and they didn't get it last year as a squad. Um, and, obviously, Prescott didn't get done today, so that's another big story. Yeah, that is a big story. Prescott almost apparently, apparently, almost got a deal done, but he will be a franchise player. And I said this, I, I was on um, a little while ago, Mark, just in Mississippi. You and I talked off air uh, earlier today, and right after that I got on, got on the air in Mississippi, and, of course, they wanted to know what I thought about that. And I was like, well, Dak's kind of back in prove-it mode. But the thing is about having a prove-it year, like you take that time, like, okay, this is going to be a one-year deal for me. I'm going to prove how good I am. Well, you want to get yourself in the best situation possible. Dak's in the best situation possible. You just mentioned he's got Zeke Elliott. 
He's got one of the better offensive lines in the league. He's got Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper at receiver. They've been together. He's got. He's now got Michael McCarthy, Mike McCarthy uh, with the offense. He's still got Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. He's as set up in a prove-it one-year situation as anybody could possibly be. As anybody could possibly be. He's not going in there with one hand tied behind his back. He's going in there fully loaded for bear with a one-year opportunity. And as I told them, I think what happens to Dak, he blows it out of the water. His numbers are amazing. I think the Cowboys do make some noise in the NFC, and I think Dak gets that big deal, but he gets it next year. And then it's going to be a gargantuan deal, something like uh, Patrick signed uh, with that 10-year $500 billion. $500 billion. $500 million. <laughs> Will we see it in our lifetime? Contract. $500 billion contract. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm hoping that John Harris the fourth somehow finds a way to play quarterback, learns a quarterback position, and that's what he signs for. I'll be his quarterback coach every single day, and maybe I'll get a percentage of that at some point down the road. Okay, we talked about sports hate earlier in the show. From a sports hate perspective, Mark Vandermeer hates one team more than any other. I have a What You Remember Wednesday coming up that features that team. We'll do it next right here in Texans All Access. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. From the slightest bend to complex motions, your body is made to move. At Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, our teams are using advanced technology and imaging to develop custom treatment plans, and our minimally invasive procedures can help you heal faster. We have the expertise to keep you moving because every movement matters. Find the care you need at 20 locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. Will the LSU Tigers be just as dominant in 2020? Can they replace key players lost to the NFL draft and field another undefeated national championship caliber squad? Only one way to find out. Witness the 2020 LSU Tigers right here in Houston as they head to NRG Stadium Saturday, September 19th to take on the hometown Rice Owls. Head to RiceLSU2020.com to join the wait list and be notified as soon as tickets go on sale or to get info on how you can experience Rice vs. LSU from a luxury suite this fall. Stay connected with the Houston Texans and join the Stampede email newsletter for the latest news and team stories. Each month, Stampede members have the opportunity to win sideline experiences, tickets, autographed team memorabilia, and more. Visit HoustonTexans.com to sign up. Make sure you follow the Texans on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And take the Texans with you wherever you go with the Texans app and never miss an update. Stadium with our favorite people in Houston, our one and only Texans fans. So what are you guys cheering about? We're celebrating Dyke and opening the country's third largest manufacturing plant right here in Houston. Yeah, baby! That's over 5,000 employees already. And still growing. Wow, those are some winning Dykin stats for Houston. Sounds like they're one of our biggest fans. On three, two, one, Dykin! Dykin! Air intelligence! Back to more Texans Talk on Texans All Access. Wednesday, so that means it is time for What You Remember Wednesday with Mark Vandermeer. I usually come up with happy times 
for Mark to look back upon. But I'm always curious, given that Mark has called every single play, along with Dre, in Texans history. I always like to dive deep into the mind of the voice of the Texans to know what he was thinking. Now, a lot of these time, a lot of times, for many of these, I will two of the four of these, I was there with him, so I know that we talked about a lot of these things. But I like to have him share it with you guys. And then, of course, there's always a nugget or two that comes out of these. So, Mark, are you ready for – and it's themed tonight. Tonight, oh boy. the theme is the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. So, Mark, let's start with number one. I was there for this one. It was as stressful an afternoon, uh, probably as I've spent down on the sidelines. The Texans were 0-3. The Colts were 1-2. It was 2018. Frank Reich was a first-year coach for the Indianapolis Colts. The Texans could not get off the schneid. They had to win in Indianapolis. They took a big 28-10 lead. And then over the course of the next quarter and a half, Andrew Luck chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped away at the lead and sent the game to overtime. Mark, what you remember... When Frank Reich on fourth and four decided to go for it in overtime with the game tied at 34. Uh, I don't know if Jonathan Joseph got a game ball, but perhaps he should have for that one play because it seemed like all afternoon long, you know, I'm watching J. Joe give this like 10 yard cushion. It seemed and Chester Rogers and whoever else was, you know, they were able to catch the short stuff on him, right. And get some gains. And you mentioned shipping away. And I saw before that fourth and four, J. Joe was backed up again. I thought, Oh my gosh, he's going to go to Rogers. He's going to pick it up. No problem. Right. And J. Joe right before the snap creeps right up on Rogers gets right up at his grill and sure enough, luck went to Rodgers, but J.J. was right there to help break it up, and they did not convert on fourth down. I thought for Reich, you know, he, he got some praise. Uh, the Texans took some criticism because the Colts didn't convert on a fourth down, and that, that gave Houston the game, even though we all know that Watson still had some plays to make, or yeah. at least one, right? He had to hit Hopkins, right. yep. uh, and they were running out of time. They won that one at the buzzer in overtime. But the Frank Reich decision – I was I was terrified that they were going to make it. I was you know, I didn't want to see a punt because I thought how much time was there on the clock when they it would have much. punted? Not there much. Was like, like 24 not enough. 25 yeah, seconds left, maybe a little not less. Not enough for a sustained drive in the extra yes. session there and it, and I thought we were headed for Tyville, but I thought, "Hey, I got to take a tie right now, Monty. You know, I got to take a tie. Give me the punt, take a tie." When they were going for it, I was really frightened. I thought that they were going to convert. Uh, because of the way they were dealing. But I credit J. Joe for making that play, getting right up on the receiver, and and unexpectedly perhaps because he hadn't been doing that much that afternoon. So uh, that's something I'll never forget about that game. Yeah, that game, man. The one, You know the one thing, and you guys don't, don't experience it, and we don't normally experience this up in Indianapolis, but they had the roof open that day. And it was hot. Yeah. And I remember yeah. in the fourth quarter when Andrew tied the game up with a touchdown. I remember, I remember seeing guys both on both sides, on both sides, literally sitting in the end zone, like sitting in the end zone, like they were so tired. And I thought we got to go to overtime now. We have to go yep. to overtime now. And then we've yep. got this game against Dallas on Sunday night. Oh god, there's no way we're going to survive. 
And what the other thing I remember, too, was two weeks prior, we played the Titans. We were down by three. We had 17 seconds left, and we had the ball. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, beyond midfield. I can't remember exactly where we had it. But I remember thinking, man, it's, we didn't have any timeouts. So it's, oh, boy, it would have been tough. But I remember thinking, get a, get a ball thrown, get up, maybe spike it. You might have – all you got to have is one – you just got one second to be able to have one opportunity to get Fairbairn out there to kick a game-time field goal, take that to overtime. And Deshaun took too much time, and I just remember thinking, man, I – you know, he's the kind of guy that learns from this. We'll see what happens. Well, two weeks later, against the Colts, he gets in that same situation. He hits hop, gets the first down, and then I'll never forget this. Remember, Kiki had a great game that day. But he gets up to the line. The clock is running down. And he wants to make sure there's no sense in spiking it immediately to leave like nine seconds left. There's no right. sense in doing that. So you might as well just let this thing run all the way down. And so he's letting it run down, and Kiki tries to move to the other side of the formation. And I've never seen Deshaun so adamant. Deshaun almost came out of his shoes and was like, no, stay right where you are. And Kiki just froze, snapped it, spiked it. Fairbairn hit the field goal. Of course, after he got iced and missed the first one, he nailed the second one and got a win. So, uh, yeah, that was a good one. Okay. Uh, That was a good one. Yep. Next one. Mark, what you remember when Arian Foster went off in the opener in 2010 in the win against the Colts? Um, All right, so the Colts is a theme. I I love this one, obviously. Um, I was personally going through a really bad problem with my voice that uh, that preseason. There are a couple of seasons where I went through major voice issues. Yeah, early in the early in camp, early in preseason, maybe through the season, a lot of it. Twenty ten and twenty fifteen were the two worst mm-hmm. years I've ever had at the mic. So I remember feeling better like a week before that, and then I was thanking God that I was I was on it that day Mm -hmm. because um there were a lot of big calls in that game and that was Aaron you know Ben Tate got hurt in the preseason you just drafted him is Arian going to be the guy oh it looks like he's going to be the guy and (laughs) you know the offense went nuts Manning still threw for over 400 yards in that game and I wish the return engagement the trip up there on Monday Night Football was a lot better because that year spiraled out of control as we all know although they were four and two at one point which is hard to believe uh, but that day was as good as it gets. Foster going nuts, just feeling great about the football team, beating the Colts for only the second time in the history of the franchise. That was it. That was only the second win over Man. the Colts. 2006 was the first on Christmas Eve, and then we had to wait. You know, went, swept in 07, 08, 09, and then and, and yeah. some of the really close games, Rosencopter, another 17-point lead you blew in 09 at home, missing the field goal at the buzzer in 09. So to just completely run over them in the opener of 2010 was delightful. I know when I left the building that day, I was like, I kind of felt both sides of it. Like, they just took the ball and stuffed it right down their throat. And that was so fun to watch. And I just didn't. I just didn't think that was possible. You know, a zone running scheme like Gary has run and has been with Mike Shanahan for a long time. Now Kyle's running with the San Francisco 49ers. I just didn't know that that was possible. But it was. And they did. And they stuffed it right down her throat. But the flip side, it was like, 
man, you know, they still gave up a lot of passing yards to Peyton Manning. I'm a little worried about that secondary. Just a, I don't know, man. And that obviously is what came to fruition. Arian was great in 2010. But I just had that feeling like I'm really happy, really, really happy they got the win. But, man, that defense could rear its ugly head later. And it did, uh, unfortunately, in 2010. Okay, this is one we don't talk about a lot. Uh, I think because of the uh, – how do I say this? Well, I'll just ask you it. It's not one we bring up a lot and we sort of forget about. 2016 Sunday night at home against the Colts. What you remember, Mark, when Brock Osweiler hit C.J. Fedorowicz to tie the game and send it to overtime? All right, so it's the most embarrassing call I've ever made, okay, just to make it about me again when I said, (laughs) Houston, we have a quarterback. (laughs) But, you know. That was at at the end of the night. That was at the end of the night. I felt good about Brock that night because how could you not feel good about that comeback, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought that the throw to Lamar Miller, Lamar Miller did everything. You just dumped it off to him as a check down. That that 10-yard catch and run was phenomenal stuff by Lamar. That that and the 97-yard TD, Lamar's greatest plays as a Texan, right? Yep. I think we all agree on that. I can't think of another one that's that's as good uh, as those two. The second TD in the comeback was the hit to Fedorowicz, right? Yes, yes. And that was a really terrific throw, you know. And that that was like something that Watson does, you know. Not a yeah. scramble, but just the throw itself, the accuracy downfield and everything. I mean, there was a little tight window when he got it there. Now, maybe it was yes. just luck and, you know, a squirrel finding the acorn and the clock being right twice a day, the broken clock or whatever. I don't know what it was, but it was really good. And I thought another throw he made that was excellent was in overtime to yeah. hit Jalen Strong to put him in field goal range. I thought that was a good throw and a good play by Jalen uh, to get them in range to win the game. And when they capped off that comeback, because they were dead, Johnny, you know that. Fans yep. were leaving. It was a terrible night. Uh, you are going to lose to the Colts again. Uh, Brock is not working out. But the Brock woke up, and I thought, this is it. Now he's got it. Now he's got it. Well, I said what I said, and, you know, obviously I regret it. But it was just one of those moments. And uh, I'll, I'll, I just won't forget that kind of night because I don't care who's playing quarterback. You know, they yeah. came back against Andrew Luck and mm-hmm. Indy. They swept the Colts that year, and Andrew Luck was quarterbacking both games for the Colts. So that was a nice year. I mean, you want to talk about the positives of the Osweiler uh, one-year era? Wins. He's 2-0 and against the Colts as yeah. a Texan. Wait, did he He's the only the quarterback Colts? to do that, right? Am I right about that? Oh boy, to be to be undefeated against He's the only quarterback to have well, he's the only quarterback to sweep the Colts. It's the only time we've ever swept the Colts. Is it true? Yes. Wait a minute. Really? Yeah. Because in eighteen in eighteen, well, you know, Deshaun uh, in seventeen we didn't beat them. Eighteen Deshaun right. split because we we lost we lost the game in December here, but we won the one obviously we just talked about. And then nineteen we split. Brock's Dang. the only one and- to Brock's the 11. only one to sweep them. In 10, you lost the second night, uh, the Monday night uh, r- return up there. In 11, you lost the Thursday nighter to Dan Orlovsky. Yep. Right? Uh, 15, you and, lost Hasselbeck in a diaper game here. Yep. 12, even in 12, you beat them here to win the division. And then up there, final day of the regular season, yep. lost to rookie Andrew Luck and lost home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Cemented that. Yeah, you're right. He's the only guy to do it. He's the only Texans quarterback to start, you know, a few games and never lose to the Colts. That's 
Brock Osweiler, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, last one. You you yep. alluded to this a little bit. You said the year. I wish I could have been there to see this game. There are a lot of games that I wish I could have seen prior to me getting back here in 2007. This would be at the top of the list. One of the top mm-hmm. three games I'd want to see. Obviously, the number one one being the opener against Dallas. But in 2006, the Texans yeah. did beat the Colts. So I want to know what you remember when Chris Brown was lining up to kick the game-winning field goal against the Colts. What you remember about that moment? Andre Ware singing. I've got the call somewhere. <laughs> I can't pull it up instantly. But really? I remember Dre singing. <laughs> well, because they were playing um, Prince. They were playing Prince uh, in the um, – on the on you know Gavin was playing it on the on the video board right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it, it was let's go crazy and Andre goes let's go crazy and uh, and I call the final play and there's nobody what was it forty two yard it was forty something and maybe it was forty eight but nobody in the building thought he was going to miss it it was one of those like you didn't sweat it out at all I think I sweated the uh, Fairbairn twenty plus yarder in the yeah. playoff game more than I sweated this one I just felt. <laughs> Utterly confident that Brown was going to make it, which is ironic because in 09 up there, a field mm-hmm. goal shorter, 40-yarder to send the Texans in overtime. He missed it, and it started his big problems uh, yep. in his career. But, yeah, that was um, that was a real good one, Johnny. I mean, Ron Dane over 150 yards. I loved Ron Dane on this team. You know, he's a kind of forgotten running back on this team. Yeah. And uh, that that was so good because you'd never beaten them. You know, yeah. and the joy and the season wasn't a good one. It was Kubiak's rookie head coach year and all that. Yeah. But the joy on the faces of the players who had been there a while to finally beat the Colts, Mr. McNair, all of them, everybody. It just it was a great, great afternoon. And it was Christmas Eve. It's it's so funny you say that because that's what I remember about 2015. Beating them there. And I had only been going. That was only my second year in Indianapolis. That was better. That was that, better. That up there, beating them up there, and yep. the people on the sideline that had been there forever. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, to, to OB, it's like, yeah, you know, he's with the Patriots. Patriots beat the Colts. Like, yeah, okay, what's what's kind of the big deal? But the people that had been around and had been there for a while, it was like they got it. Like, we don't beat this. We don't, we don't beat this team up here. Right, right. And then we did it in 16. And then we did it in 18, three out of four told, years after not having OB, done it forever. I told Coach O'Brien, and, you know, he doesn't want to hear it from me because uh, every once in a while I'll just chime in with something. Listen, uh, to put it in New England terms, this is the <laughs> Red Sox before they beat the Yankees, right? Before yeah. they were able to get over the hump and beat the Yankees. You know, late 90s, the Yankees are cruising along. Red Sox make the playoffs every once in a while. It can't beat the Yankees. And they finally beat the Yankees. This is, you know, we have never beaten them. You know, he knew anyway. But uh, and and I was like, here's my unsolicited opinion on the whole deal. Uh, and I told I mean, him, he I loves said, he loves unsolicited opinions. By the yeah, way, yeah, of course, he yeah. really is like, yeah, thanks, Vandy, good, thanks. This will this will really help with our team preparation for this one. I'm sure Brandon Whedon will be thinking about what you said as he's trying to find Jalen Strong coming off the yeah. bench. So. No, it all Chris worked Brown. out up there. Chris Brown kicking that field. That would be one of the games that I would want to see that I was was not a part of before I got back here in 20, 2007. I, the obvious, the opener, that would be another one. Do you, all right, so one more thing about that 06 game. 
you just felt being in the building. It was all working out very well with Dane because you were keeping Manning on the bench. And, yeah. And you could see the frustration on Manning's face. He couldn't get on the field enough, not enough possessions. Um, and they were just like, when do we when do we let David Carr throw the football? And Carr had to hit Andre Johnson to put him in range. You just yeah. weren't going to get there grinding it out on the ground. You had to ultimately go to the air. And finally it was time to unleash a throw. Kubiak is interesting that way. I can almost, like, I felt like I could just channel his feelings. And it was the same thing in the postseason running ad with the Broncos. I could just feel him like, I don't want to throw this ball. Yeah. <laughs> like, we are going to run it as much as humanly possible. <laughs> we are not going to, because with an aging man, he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to, yeah. you know, every once in a while they would throw it. Um, and sometimes I know that that's not the most exciting football, but, that's football, too. That's football, man. That's historic yeah. football. That's like 72 Dolphins football. And you're like, wait a minute. Are we going to actually throw this ball? Okay, let's get ready. <laughs> you know, as opposed to now, it's like, whoop, 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 yeah. all the way around the park. Yeah, trusting number four is a little different than trusting oh, yeah. former quarterbacks. No doubt about that. Okay, we get back. We'll go around the league. A few other things we need to hit on. And we have spent, I don't know how many days on the air. And each day we go, Oh, man, we haven't talked about the Washington Football Club's name change. Oh, yeah. about that next, right here on Texas All Access. Can't get enough Texans radio? We've got shows. We've got podcasts. We've got interviews. It's all on HoustonTexans.com. It's like Netflix... June's Houston Texans Star of Courage Award presented by Apache will be presented to Houston Police Department Lieutenant Bridget Loomis. Lieutenant Loomis sets an exemplary leadership standard for all with her commitment to service. Recently, she went above and beyond to help a mother and her two children escape a domestic abuse situation, taking care of their hotel bill when shelters were full. Her willingness to serve those around her for the past 23 years means more to her community than she knows. The Houston Texans and Apache would like to congratulate her for being our June Star of Courage Award recipient. At Whataburger, how do you make something that's already fresh even fresher? By adding fresh new things, like crisp pico de gallo for a little kick, and creamy cilantro lime sauce for that extra whoa, and two slices of pepper jack cheese, because of course. That's three new fresh things on top of two fresh beef patties, which all adds up to Whataburger's new limited-time pico de gallo burger. Good thing for fresh things. Good thing there's Whataburger. Already counting down the days until your next college football game day? Start planning your tailgate and prepping your face paint because the season starts right here in Houston with the Texas kickoff. Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels are set to take on Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears at NRG Stadium Sunday, September 6th. Experience the season debut for both of these new head coaches as they look to open the year with a bang. Start your fall off right. Head to TexasKickoff.com to join the wait list and be the first to know when tickets go on sale. Are you missing out on Houston's most exclusive business network? Members of Texans Lux become your network, matching you with your executive peers at any of our exclusive events. With more than 10 off-season events per year, like trips with a team to training camp, VIP draft party, business luncheons, and more, you're provided year-round access to the network that works for you. Find out how you can use Texans Lux to grow your network by visiting HoustonTexansLux.com. 
Keep up with the Houston Texans everywhere you go. Download the Texans mobile app. We're going to final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. We will have the general on with us tomorrow, John McClain. I hope we are. Mark, he is, uh, according to his Twitter, he is in Annapolis, Maryland right now, and he's on some sort of water because he keeps talking about buying some houseboat uh, like Keanu Reeves' character Shane Falco did uh, in The Replacements. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully uh, the, the general will be on with us. Hopefully we'll, we'll have that happen. He usually joins us um, on Thursday, no matter where he is, so we'll have him on tomorrow. Mark Vanderbeer with me, John Harris. Mark, we I don't know how many days we've gone been on the radio and not even mentioned. I, we get to this point. Uh, as happens with a lot of radio shows that you and I have done, a lot that I've done over the years. And we're like, oh, man, we forgot to talk about that. And then we do it day after day after day. The Washington Washington Football Club, owned by Dan Snyder, right, has kicked the name Redskins to the curb. Finally, it's taken years. A lot of people have been asking for that for a very, very long time. Now, the two things that go with that, number one, your thoughts about them finally doing that. And then two, the nickname or what it's going to be. I've heard a lot of different things. I was listening to NFL Sirius XM Radio the other day, and they were kind of going through a, a few of the different things. And I, I think it was Jim and Jim and Pat, Jim Miller and Pat went talking about it. Uh, and they were, they basically were like, blow it all up, change colors, change, change everything. And I thought, man, hmm. What would, I, what would I do with that? Your thoughts about the Redskins being no longer? Uh, you know, a lot of memories of the Redskins being really good, uh, the Washington Football Club being really good. Um, and, you know, I talk about Vanderkid from time to time because he's a student of the game. And, you know, I was saying, look, the, the Washington Club uh, was so good under Joe Gibbs and winning three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks and the first African-American quarterback to win a Super Bowl and, you know, all the achievements. And, I mean, they were fun to watch. The Hogs, John Riggins, Joe Theismann. Uh, you know, they, look, they never had back then a great, great quarterback, right? Theismann was a good quarterback. Williams yeah. had a tremendous run. I thought Williams was a pretty underrated quarterback, actually, even with Tampa yes. because, remember, he Agreed. brought them to the postseason. Uh, but Rippin was kind of like one-hit wonder. He's like safety dance at quarterback, you know. <laughs> um, he's Billy, don't be a hero at quarterback. Yeah. He's, uh, I don't know, uh, don't you want me by the human league. Oh, they, they had at least one other hit. But anyway, you get my drift. So yes. a lot of memories about them, and, and I think that people who really love them, and I'm not one of these people, uh, are going to have – an interesting time here letting go of the past as as they stay in Washington and rename themselves, but they'll keep the colors, and I think it'll have a feel to I just hope they pick a great name. You know, I've seen the Red Tails and some other things out there that could be interesting for them, um, and that's that's a tribute to what the flying that flying group, right? Yeah, the Tuskegee um, Airmen, a group of African-American military yeah, pilots. Oh, so it is fought. directly the T- Tuskegee's. I, I thought they were called the Tuskegee Airmen, not the. But so the Red Tails are the same. One yeah, of the it same says the Red. It just says Red Tails could be a tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen, a group okay. of African-American military pilots who fought in World War II. The team has yet to comment on the rumored name nor its linkage to WW to World War II fighters. So Red Tails mm-hmm. has the best odds. In Vegas, they uh, plus 300, three to one odds in Las Vegas as being the nickname. I saw some mock-ups of uniforms and I thought, and they're not burgundy and gold. And I thought, oh. hmm, that could haven't be they said they're stick? 
haven't they said they're sticking with burgundy? I thought and gold? so. And look, I if they do so. this that fast, Johnny, the uh, there's no way they can change colors in that stadium that quickly. No, I don't but think they so. can certainly. Yeah. They could probably change the uniform, but a lot of stuff is not going to get changed. It's just very quick turnaround, and they already ordered all their gear from Nike uh, for the uh, season. But, yeah. you know, th- look, money can buy anything, I guess. Uh, but the thing is this. Uh, I'm wondering, and I'm not, I'm not joking here. Is Red Tails going to still be good in 20, 30, 40 years? Is, is someone going to have a problem with this? Uh, and I'd want to think about that very carefully here. I want to pick a name that I can have for the next hundred years, uh, and and people be okay with it. Um, and look, I'm not even I'm not being facetious. You know, I think you have to yeah. think very clearly. Look, I was, and I, I mentioned this briefly last week. I was in the MAC when the Miami University Redskins in Oxford, Ohio, changed mm-hmm. their name to the Red Hawks. Yes. Um, and I think around the same time, the you know the Redmen of St. John's went to the Red Storm. The Eastern Michigan Hurons, which was a mm-hmm. tribal name, uh, yes. changed their name to the Eagles. And there were people who, I mean, I know it's like Eastern Michigan, who cares, except Kevin Walter, that's his alma mater. Yeah. Uh, but they were, they were already the Eagles by the time he got there. Uh, but the Huron people, the fans, were really upset. And some of the tribal descendants didn't like it either. But uh, when I was at Central Michigan, the Chippewas have the support of the local tribe tribe and like when i was there i got the casino on the air with us and we did we did a lot of a lot of infomercial type programming to um, Mm -hmm. honor and acknowledge and recognize the reservation and all the work they were doing with the casino money Uh, because they were they were trying to make a difference there but anyway i digress it's it's a big move it's huge johnny what has the story broken yet i don't think it has uh Pro Football Talk had yeah. a post this morning citing numerous reports that something really big, something else was coming yeah. down, and it wasn't so good. Now, Larry Michael, the voice of Washington, he has stepped away from his job. He has retired from the Redskins announcing crew, and he's been there 16 years. Wow. I know Larry from a long time ago. He used to run Westwood One Radio Sports. He hired me to do the NCAA tournament back in the early O's, mm-hmm. uh, so I know him pretty well. And I just, uh, you know, before we got on the air, I texted him. He texted back, but nothing about why. And, uh, you know, I'm eager to find out why because something's up there, and I'm, I'm hoping everything's okay. Well, the it's been sort of cryptic. People have been talking about this announcement that's coming and that it was supposed to happen on Tuesday. And for, to put to put some context to it, there were two individuals that were let go. I think in the personnel department. Yes, and people are that. drawing a connection between that and this. And and then uh, I think Florio mentioned it was coming Thursday. People are saying, okay, it's coming Thursday, and that apparently the Washington Post is dropping a big story. And I don't know beyond that, but how does it not leak? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. In this exactly. day and age, to hold on to a bombshell for that a few city? days or that district, whatever you I call know, it, it's crazy. Uh, that that area of the country, anyways. After Red Tails, mm-hmm. so Red Tails is the uh, is the favorite. The next shortest odds. Now they're going to have to get some help from the Harlem Globetrotters here, but Generals has the next shortest odds at four to one. The Washington Generals. I don't think that's happening. No, you cannot make it the wa- because that's what the team the Globetrotters played for all those years was. Mm-hmm. They were the Washington Generals, right? Yeah, you can't Washington be the Washington Generals. You can't be the Washington Generals. No, no, way. because they're, you're saying we're we're the guys that everyone's going to beat up. We are yeah. your we you are your Patsy opponent. Yeah, be there, there's no chance. Now the New Jersey Generals, I get it. That was the yeah. USFL. 
Owned by Donald Trump. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on. Mm-hmm. Next shortest odds. Mm-hmm. The Washington presidents at 5-1. No. to one. No. no. It's not, uh, you know, being a president is not what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't mean the men in charge. I mean I people's view of the job. Understood. You know? People's view of the position, which is I highly unfortunate. I knew what you were saying. Okay. Uh, the Washington Lincolns. No. That's next at eight to one. Okay. I'd rather have the Benjamins. The ooh, ooh Washington. The Benjamin. Washington Benjamins. Ooh. Give me some Benjamins. Uh, this one is tied with Lincolns, both at eight to one. The Washington Veterans. Uh, not bad, eh, but, but it doesn't um, like, it doesn't get your blood flowing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know not all names do. I get it, but I don't know. I have what an option. It's not on any of this, but here's some others. Okay. Have. At nine to one, the Washington Capitals. Well, they already have that. It's the hockey team. Um, then they have the Washington Americans, which is kind of redundant, I guess. Uh, well, they, I guess it no. Go on. Yeah, I know. Then they have the, the, uh, the, the, these three are at 10 to 1, the Americans, the Washington Memorials, and the Washington Monuments. No, no, no. I'd rather have Americans or Red Tails of all those <laughs> names you've said. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I, Warriors I didn't make it, huh? Nobody likes the Warriors. No, is Warriors is much? not on the list. Not on the list. Hmm. One online book is also looking to capitalize on some easy money by offering the Washington Snowflakes – and the Washington <laughs> Trumps each had 500 oh, yeah. to 1. Uh, no, I'd, I'd stay away from that. Here's the one I came up with. What? But I don't know how you would put it together. Just call it Washington, the district. The Washington district. The district. Like the District of Columbia. Yeah, no, that's the not district. Go. Dang it, man. I thought Plus, I was they're trying to make it a state. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. The 51st state is a district, I guess. I don't know. It, you know, the thing about it, Mark, you bring up a great point. And I know you and I talk about this. And you know, NFL Films is such a great history lesson. They, they maintain the history of this game. And it's always looking back you know, at the history of this game. And we'll continue to do it for, you know, till the end of time. But we'll look back and see those highlights of the Redskins and be you know reminded for how long that the Redskins were the t- you know, the team name in Washington, which is which is a shame. Um, but you're right; you bring up a great point, and that is going forward. You know, twenty, thirty years from now, let's hope that Dan Snyder and Ron Rivera, which is interesting in the press release that they're working together on this. Which I'm thinking what they didn't say was, oh yeah, by the way, we got a marketing department working on this as well. Maybe they're not. Maybe they don't. Maybe it's just the two of them sitting in a room going, okay, Ron, what you think? Um, all right, Dan, I don't know. Maybe we should go with this. It's just the two of them. I don't know. I would think there are going to be more people working on it. But I think you brought up a great point, and that is whatever it is they come up with, let's make sure that 20, 30, 40 years down the road, it's not going to be something they're going to look back and regret that and then obviously have to think about changing it again. So you bring up a you bring up an excellent point as it pertains to the history of of this and the future of this name for the Washington Football Club, we'll call it. Red Tails works, Johnny, because you can still sing the song. Hail to the Red Tails. You know, Ooh, you can do it. Good point. I think Red you know, Tails Hail is... to the Lincolns, but it doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah, I like alliteration. Washington Warriors, I like alliteration. Uh, 
Red Tails, I heard that, and I was like, yeah, I kind of I get it. But we'll see what Dan Snyder and Ron Rivera are about to do in Washington with that team. Tomorrow, we'll have the general on with us. He is in the district or around the district. So he'll join us tomorrow on a Thursday edition. Mark, thank you as always to my guys back in studio for keeping us on the air. And I'm glad I got on the air tonight. It was all my fault. It was all my issue, so I take blame for it. I take the heat. It's on me. Put it on me. But they kept us on the air tonight. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Teachers and parents, are you looking for educational resources to keep your students engaged at home during this challenging time? The Houston Texans, Toro, and ConocoPhillips have partnered together to provide Toro's Math Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a free video series that will challenge your students to math topics like fractions, multiplication, division, and place value, all the while having some fun. Sign up today for free at HoustonTexans.com on the COVID-19 resources page and run your kids through Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Go Texans! With Houston Methodist Virtual Urgent Care, you can skip the drive and the waiting room and connect to our board-certified providers from your computer, tablet, or mobile phone. Virtual Urgent Care visits are available 24-7, no appointment needed, even on weekends and holidays. Now you can get the same trusted care you expect from Houston Methodist, wherever you are, whenever you need us. To learn more, visit HoustonMethodist.org. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. Not too long ago, Houston Texans fans were cheering in the stands of NRG Stadium. We now cheer for our first responders, healthcare workers, teachers, and many more who exemplify the true Texan spirit. Until we gather as over 70,000 strong once again, let's support those on the front lines in the fight against COVID-19. For more information on resources for you and your family, visit HoustonTexans.com slash COVID. Another hot day in Houston as this game gets underway. Here's the kickoff, caught by Dykin. They're really stepping it up for Houston, Jim. Like all that financial assistance they gave for Hurricane Harvey relief efforts. Yeah, Steve, they gained a lot of yardage on that one. Here's the snap. Oh, and look at that donation to Habitat for Humanity. Did you see all those AC units they provided for low-income housing? These guys would be on fire if they weren't so cool. Dykin is definitely Houston's biggest fan. They're taking this Houston team right into the comfort zone. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. You look nice. How was work? Well, it was fourth period civics. The kids were giving me the third degree. Was a UFO seen hovering over Washington, D.C.? Was a fisherman attacked by a 320-pound shrimp? They'd been bitten by the fake news bug, all right. And it was holding on like a driver's ed student to a steering wheel. How was I going to get a bunch of wide-eyed kids to wise up about what they see on the Internet? Then it hit me, like a dodgeball on field day. The name of the game was News Snoops. Each student got an article and two minutes to decide if it was credible or a fake. They were able to use fact-checking sites to get the cold, hard truth. Now the little hotshots are even teaching their gullible grannies a thing or two about phony news. But how was your day? Pretty good. I got a new title today. Office birthday party planner. Oh, fun. Teachers just have better work stories. If you want a creative, collaborative job worth talking about, head to teach.org. Brought to you by teach.org. On average, a motorcyclist is killed on Texas roads every day. Today, I saw a tarp-covered body laying in the middle of an intersection. 
It was a motorcyclist. Look twice for motorcycles. There's a life riding on it. Brought to you by TextDot. KILT, KILT FM HD2 Houston. Radio.com Sports Station. And your home of the Houston Texans.